Welcome to the Well-Seasoned Librarian Podcast. I'm your host, Dean Jones. This is Season 8, Episode 17. I'm really honored to have had the chance to talk to Emmanuel LaRoche, who is the Vice President of Marketing and Consumer Insights with the uh, company Simrise North America. This is a company that's a flavor manufacturer. You may not have heard of them, but you definitely have encountered their products. If you've eaten food, if you've fed your pets food, if you've um, use, encountered flavor in any context, um, it's likely that you've encountered a Simrise product. Now, he also, in addition to this, has a podcast called Flavors Unknown, which is a wonderful podcast where he talks to chefs, food writers, um, people in all aspects of food production. And it's really a fantastic podcast. And it's one of my favorites. And it's one of the ones that I listen to every week. I think that and Radio Cherry Bomb are my two favorites that I hit up first every week, uh, just as a kind of constant. Um, you know, and also, I want to mention that he has out now a book called Conversations Behind the Kitchen Door. Um, this is a collection of his dialogues with award-winning chefs from various backgrounds. Now, I want to tell you right off the bat that the, I know you're, you're probably immediately thinking, oh, it's a kind of plug-and-play, a bunch of, you know, stuff that he you know, did, et cetera, et cetera, that we've seen so often in um, food writing. Not at all. Not at all. This is a big difference. Um, this is a, a wonderful work where he tackles topics and he talks to um, authors and um, chefs and people in food production. It's kind of almost like a roundtable kind of effect in getting their different various POVs on topics, uh, chapter by chapter. Um, it also encounters his um, work um, doing the interviews almost as like a travel log. It's kind of like a road movie and in, in then that he's traveling the country, talking to different people and taking the sense of kind of the nation in this regard. Um, it's a very unusual and very unique book and I really recommend it. Please don't, you know, just don't write this off as just, you know, a bunch of essays, etc. It's a really good book that has some really very serious topics in it. And I wholeheartedly recommend it. I was blown away by it. You're going to be blown away by it too. Emmanuel's just a wonderful, just humble man who I enjoyed talking to. Um, just his work is so great. And I really got to tell you, you got to listen to the podcast, Flavors Unknown. And you just, you got to get the book behind the kitchen door. Without any more uh, of that, I'm going to go ahead and take you right to the podcast. So you can listen to the words of Emmanuel LaRoche. Welcome to the Well-Seasoned Librarian podcast. I'm your host, Dean Jones. Today, I'm very honored to have on the podcast, Emmanuel LaRoche, who is Vice President of Marketing and Consumer Insights for Simrise North America, the flavor manufacturer. He is a podcast host of Flavors Unknown, where he talks with chefs and other people in the food industry about their creative passion in the world of food. His new book, Conversations Behind the Kitchen Door, is Emmanuel LaRoche's collection of dialogues with award-winning chefs from various backgrounds and cultures sharing their personal experience of where and why food culture is where it is today. Emmanuel, thank you for being on the podcast. Dean, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Now, I was reading your bio and I saw that you lived as a child and young adult in France and you later traveled throughout Europe before moving your family to the United States. What brought you to the United States after living in Europe? I guess, yeah, you read that in my bio, and now that you heard my voice, you can tell that yeah. I have a childhood in France. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I was born in France, and now I'm both, in fact, uh, American and French. I've been 20 years now here in the U.S., um, and um, it happened that um, 
when I finished my studies long time ago in France, uh, I did a master of organic chemistry and then an MBA with a focus on marketing. And um, I wanted to improve my, um, um, you know, practice of uh, and speaking of English because it was really my level was at the level of uh, school. So, uh, you know, it's not, not very high and it was important for business. So um, I had the chance with the company that I did my internship at um, that they sent me a year in the US. It was back in, should I say 1998? So I spent the whole year in Wisconsin uh, where in fact the company that was doing the internship at that time had um, um, you know an affiliate and um, I fell in love with uh, the country that was my first contact ever with the United States and I was 25 years old and um, um, yeah I loved everything about it I travel uh, you know all around um, and um, I said to myself you know uh, like the pace of the business and maybe one day um, I'll come back um, so that's what I in fact, that um, I worked on, well, I had to go back to you know, to France after my, my year, um, and I had the chance to work for a lot of countries in in Europe based out of France, and always in the back of my mind, I wanted to um, go back, you know, professionally to work in the U.S. And the opportunity came about 20, 2002. Um, yeah. There was, um, uh, you know, the company I work for today that merged with an, another another company um, and um, they asked if I wanted to um, create the, the marketing team uh, out of New Jersey and uh, I was on the plane so um, yeah so I was was supposed to stay here for a few years you know as an expat and I yeah. decided to um, to stay with my family and uh, it's been 20 years now nice now I'm very eager to talk to you about the company you work for because I, mm -hmm. I looked at the website and it just got me so excited because it's a very exciting website and a very exciting company so you are vice president of marketing and consumer insights at simrise north america a company that is a flavor manufacturer how did you begin work in this field and what led you to work for this company so good question in fact i fell in love with the space of uh, flavors right at the time of what i was mentioning to you you know that internship that i did yeah. after my my mba um it was in that field already it was in the flavor industry um i was living at that time in the south of france near nice and there is a town there called grass g-r-a-s-s-e which is really specialized into fragrance and flavors um, and I got that internship there, not knowing anything about this industry. And I fell in love with it. I think I really um, annoyed my friends and family during that summer, you know, talking about extracts and bringing some samples, you know, and, and experimenting in the kitchen of my mom, you know, at that time. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I fell in love with it. It was uh, a lot of, it was about food and I, I do love food. And um, it was connected as well with my background of, uh, you know, of chemistry, because uh, when it comes to flavors, even if it's natural flavors and extracts, you know, with uh, things come from nature, um, the structure are, of course, you know, um, chemical structures. So, so for me, it was a connection directly with my background of my studies and as well with my passion for food. Now... The company makes more than food, as I understand it. The average consumer interacts with your products 20 to 30 times a day. And I never really thought about that. But it, it after I started looking at the website, I'm like, 
wow, I really get this now. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. I mean, this is obviously, um, you know, a marketing statement, but it is totally true because that company, Simrise, has like different divisions. Uh, so we have the fragrance division. So uh, we, um, of course, um, you know, work with fragrance manufacturers, so fine fragrance. So if you wear colognes or fine fragrance, so we might be with you. Um, if, um, you know, you are uh, using household products like cleaning and detergents and, uh, you know, and all of that, uh, hair freshener, you know, we are in those products. Um, but we have this uh, food and beverage division where in fact there is as well pet food. So if you have, a, you know, a nice companion, you know, as a cat or a dog, you know, we are supplying ingredients there as well. And then obviously when it comes to flavors and natural ingredients that goes into food, um, we work with a lot of food service company and as well retail companies. So we could be in a shelf of love of products that you consume at home and as well in restaurants, you know, and, and chains that, um, you know, you, you might go to and, and enjoy some, you know, meals. So we are with you like 24 seven. I was, um, reading a book on French baking recently. And um, I noticed that the flavor profiles are much larger than we have here traditionally in America. I know I grew up largely with your options for flavoring were largely vanilla mm -hmm. and, and vanilla. vanilla. <laughs> <laughs> and that was really it. And I, I was reading her book and there's like lavender, coffee, um, rum, um, almond, you know, mm -hmm. coarse vanilla, and then so many other, I mean, that's just like, Citrus, not, you know, orange, yeah. oh, spices, yeah. you know, you put, uh, of course, here cinnamon, but uh, you know, you can have nutmegs and so on. So, yeah. And but, so really. were you influenced by that with your, with your uh, interest in flavors? Yeah. I mean, uh, th this is, um, you know, the, the world of flavors is really touched like every category of food and, and beverages. So, um, it, it, you're talking about baking, but it's in culinary as well. It is in snack, you know, it's um, when you, you buy, um, you know, a snack, a, a chips, for instance. And yeah. then, you know, we are as a flavor company or a seasoning company delivering uh, that seasoning mix, you know, that a snack manufacturer is going to, you know, put on top of their, um, you know, snack. Um, we are in sauces. We are, you know, and the products goes into, uh, beverages um, and as well ice cream and, and yogurt. So yeah, there's uh, um, there's I would say anchor flavors like you were mentioning. They were vanilla and and vanilla. So yes, yeah. you have you know big flavors that make like the 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 most important I would say um, um, part of the market in different categories, you know, like citrus, think about like lemon and oranges, you know, for, for beverage, for instance, it's a big part of the market. Um, so you are going to have those anchor flavors that are very important, but you are going to have, um, you know, new varieties and new flavors that appeal to people because people always look for variety. You know, that's the same when you think about music, yeah. you know, there's always new music coming up, yeah. but then you have your, you know, like really, um, very popular, you know, uh, tunes and songs that, um, you know, we are still singing and they are, they have been launched in the sixties and the seventies or even the fifties. So, so that's the same thing with when it comes to flavors and taste. What are some of the most popular flavors you, your company produces? 
oh, and that's so difficult to talk about because it's um um you know it we have a very wide variety of flavors and then yeah. we produce and customize you know for whatever like the food or the beverage manufacturers wants to have so it's not like uh, we don't work based on the catalog we we really work with big companies and we are customizing so it could be vanilla it could be strawberry they could be um um you know pumpkin spice it could be um uh, lavender uh, you know it's rose you know it really depends it could be um um you know spices for um, sausages for instance so so yeah. it's very difficult so to say which you know what are like the most important i i have to say that as a company we want to make sure that we are vertically integrated and sustainable for all like the main um category of uh, flavors and and uh, seasoning so if you think about culinary it's very the main important ingredients, which is the same in kitchen. Eh? It's like onion. Onion is the big thing because it is everywhere. It's a base for a lot of things. So we are vertically integrated uh, and we work very closely with a lot of onion producer um, out of Germany, where our headquarters is. Um, but same thing with, you know, with vanilla. Uh, vanilla, um, 75% of the worldwide production of vanilla comes from Madagascar and we are there. We have 200 people working in Madagascar, working with the farmers uh, in order to make sure that we are supporting them, you know, with their crop and so on. And the other piece is citrus, you know, citrus is, we need to be vertically to integrate it as well to make sure that we work with uh, the growers to have the best quality in order to have the best extraction possible. Sorry, you asked me a question. I can't talk forever about that topic. <laughs> no, no I, I'm very, and I'm very interested in it. I, I know our audiences too. I just think this is the best because I, I, I love this topic. So now, so how, how much, because your company is really on the cutting edge. You're like the NASA of flavor. So like what, what impact do you think that innovation and exploration in flavor has an impact on our food tastes in America or abroad? Um, I think this, you know, this is, uh, critical to stay always. Um, so that, I mean, there's two different aspects in your question. There is what we are doing to stay as a company always uh, cutting edge uh, in order to bring like the best, um, you know, taste experience to consumers. Yeah. And then there is as well the idea that we always want to explore um, um, and connect with people that are producing new interesting flavors that are for me like the chefs the mixologists the pastry chefs uh, because they are all the forefront of uh, you know of innovation when it comes to to taste so going back to like the first part you know of the answer um we have hundreds and hundreds of uh, uh food technologists and as well uh, scientists um and uh you know chemists that are really spending time to uh, do research to work on new techniques uh, in order to make sure that we stay current and, um, you know, on, because everything is working so and changing so fast when it comes to technology um, that, um, you know, we want to make sure that we are providing our customers and then at the end of the day, you and, you know, all the consumers with like the best, um, the best solution that exists. So that's one uh, element. And then the rest is, which is connected to my podcast, which is connected with the book is, 
um, the fact that in order to stay current when about what's new, um, the best way is to connect with chefs, pastry chefs, and and mixologists. And this is something that I um, really started when arriving the country. And I decided to spend time looking beyond. I would say, like you know, the fast food chains and what is easily available. That usually most of the tourists, you know, know about the food culture in America. But I I really discover a lot of like interesting. Um, places and uh, and people that are, you know, bringing outstanding food, um, and um, and as well creating and exploring, you know, new horizon when it comes to flavors. You just touched on your uh, podcast, and you started that in 2018, yeah. and it's called Flavors Unknown. And this is a podcast where you talk to people in the food industry. And you really get into the conversations about the creative side of this industry. Now, you don't just talk to chefs and uh, food writers. You're talking to people in all aspects. You're talking to misologists. You're talking about farmers. Recently, you had an episode where you talked to um, the, um, Chef Michael Diaz mm -hmm. de Leon yeah. of Bruto. And yeah. uh, you talked about the children of immigrants and how immigrants sure. feed this country, which is a very important topic. You know, it's, it's mm -hmm. pretty weighty. Uh, tell us a little about your podcast and how you got into it. Okay. So um, within like my responsibility of head of marketing uh, for North America at uh, Simrise, um, it was important for me to stay ahead of the curve when it comes to new ideas um, related to flavors. So I put together um, um, a unique sponsorship with a company called Star Chefs. And uh, with that company, I started to uh, participate to different events that they were having around the country. And um, during those events, I was moderating panel discussions, you know, with, you know, four, five, six different culinary leaders. Um, and I really liked those uh, interactions. And, but it was really in the space of um, flavors and, you know, what my company was focusing on. And at the end of each of those panel discussion, I was kind of frustrated because I wanted to continue the conversation beyond, you know, the, the area of flavors. So I, in agreement with my company and as well with Starchef, so I, I decided to launch this podcast in the fall of 2018, where I could have conversations with those culinary leaders uh, that were acclaimed and uh, awarded. And uh, I wanted to understand their path to success. I wanted to understand uh, their sources of inspiration, their creative process. And that was really like the main focus on the content of the podcast. So mainly they are chef mixologist and and pastry chefs but it happened as well that to open the door to other things i had yes conversations with um you know with um people like you know farmers or i even talked to uh, a person that was doing um uh food uh, tastings with um involving cannabis um you know early on it was one of the the, the first episodes that i had so time to time, I'm bringing like a different perspective or a different aspect of the, uh, you know, of of what the profession around food could be, you know, in the U.S. And and recently you mentioned Michael uh, Diaz de Leon yeah. in uh, in Denver. It's because yes, he, you know, we had this conversation around the fact that a big part of what 
to the culture of food uh, in the US is today is connected to the history of immigration. And, um, and I thought it was like a very important aspect to cover. And I did it in fact, in my book as well on one of the chapter that I, that I have. This episode is sponsored by Culinary Historians of Northern California, a Bay Area educational group dedicated to the study of food, drink, and culture in human history. To learn more about this organization and their work, please visit their website at www.chnorcal.org. That brings us to uh, something you just touched on, your new book, Conversations Behind the Kitchen Door. Now, I really want to get to talk to you about this because I love the book and I'm very interested in your writing process in this because I really loved the way you wrote the book. I love the book, but I love I loved your narrative structure, which I think is fantastic. So I don't, I'm not trying to gush or anything. I'm just like really excited about this because I really like what you did with it. I was really kind of um, engaged with the book. Now, this is a book where you use your connections with trending chefs, pastry chefs, and mixologists and farmers to write a behind-the-scenes look at the food industry, food culture, and also help us understand the creative process, which is very important to the book, behind these individuals. So were you inspired by the podcast or your work in the, um, the, the taste industry, or what kind of got you to write the sure. book? I, I think it started with a podcast um, because I... You know, I, you have a podcast as well. So, um, yeah. you know, which is interesting and very exciting for me is to be able to engage with people that are listening to the podcast. So I was able to do that through uh, uh, direct messaging, you know, on uh, Instagram uh, connected to the podcast. And I had yeah. conversations, you know, regular conversations with people listening. And for me, it was obvious that people were listening to two, three different episodes, you know, because either they knew the guests or because they live in the city. Um, you know, where the the, 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 rec- the guests and the restaurants, um, you know, live. Um, and for me, I was like, okay, how do I bring people to listen to more episodes? Or how do I share really like this great content that were through, you know, that happened through all my conversations with a larger audience? And, uh, you know, chefs and pastry chefs and mixologists and so on like uh, and people that are really passionate about food buy books around food all the time it could be cookbooks but it could be as well other type of uh, you know food memoir and so on so that's how it started this idea and then this just happened I would say a few months before the pandemic so when the pandemic hit um, I had a lot of time on my hands (laughs) And uh, I was not traveling, you know, as much as I do, you know, for for work. So that's how I jump into um, the project and and starting, you know, looking at through all the episodes and trying to find common threads and how I can structure potentially the book. So that's how the, you know, the, the inspiration came to write it. How did you decide what kind of style of book and what kind of voice you're going to have? Because I really love the style of writing that you use. It really makes me want to read more of what I want you to write more because I really liked it. It's a neat mix of linear narrative and viewpoint narrative. And I feel like it helps the reader get to understand and get engaged with the subject topics of each chapter. Was that a conscious decision for you or did you just fall into it? That's that's an excellent question. And uh, in fact, there's different elements here. There are things that are connected with 
um, what I wanted to do, but there's as well advice from my agent. So, um, you know, first for me, what I think was important is that I was not um, only giving content that were in only the, the podcast, because I'm saying people are that are listening to the podcast, you know, then, you know, why would they buy the book? You know, they need to have, uh, you know, more content. Yeah. That was, you know, for me, something very, uh, you know, specific. And uh, some friends, when I was thinking about the structure of the books uh, at the beginning, some friend mentioned, hey, why don't you structure the book having a chapter per guest? And I'm like, no, it's that's not really what I want to do. What I want to do is to have a chapter by big topics that came about like during my conversations. And so I, in terms of the style, I wanted to make sure that I was bringing in the book the voice of 50 plus, because I say there are 50, but there's probably 50, 55 that I selected, um, but all, all my guests. And then, so that was, that was the starting point. And then when I was um, engaged with an agent, when, you know, an agent decided that they liked the, the, the project and then wanted to represent me, um, then her advice was to, for me to put more about myself in the book that I will use my experience of traveling, my experience where I'm coming from in France, my education uh, through my family in terms of cooking, and as well, my own viewpoints on those conversations, you know, in the book. So that's probably why you see this kind of mix of uh, my personal, I would say, narrative, um, and as well, um, you know, those um, aspects coming from the conversations, you know, with the... Um, uh, you know, with the culinary leaders. I really, I expected, I think when I got the book initially, I thought that it was going to be, like you said, just individual. I just mm -hmm. assumed, I think, because we've seen this before, but instead we got this wonderful, exciting little mini documentary with each chapter. And it, you could have almost encapsulate it and make a documentary with each one. And for example, I just want to talk about the chapter on farmers, foragers, and roadside riches. This is something that's near and dear to my heart. Can we talk about that a little bit? Because I thought that was a very exciting chapter. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, it's a dear to my heart as well, which is, um, you know, access to quality ingredients um, and as well to show that people can have, if they spend a little bit of time, um, you know, discover things that sometimes are in the back of their, um, you know, um, you know, where they live or they, they, they could be, um, you know, not too far from, from where they live. Um, and as well, when people travel, they can discover a, a really great ingredient. So that was a common point uh, from all my discussion with uh, those culinary leaders is that in order for them to create the best dish, the best drink, the best dessert, uh, it will start at the level of the ingredients. And access to quality ingredients is, is the most important part for them. So... Um, I had a lot of conversation to say, you know, how do you find ingredients? How do you work with uh, farmers or purveyors? Um, um, what is your advice for um, a food enthusiasts, people that are not, you know, chefs and so on to uh, make sure that they can have access to, uh, to great ingredients? And that's what I wanted to um, cover, you know, in that chapter. And, and the idea of, as I said, you know, at, at the beginning is the fact that don't forget to explore. 
um, spend the time, you know, with the farmer's market, talk to the people at the farmer's market, create like a relationship, you know, with them because they are going to treat you um, well, you know, with the great produce or they can give you some pointers on how to cook their produce produce, or how to find, you know, additional produce. So I, I love to travel and uh, uh, for me, uh, discovering, um, you know, new things in the different part of the country um, is um, a big um, passion of mine. <laughs> I could tell because, you know, there there's a touchstone chapter that I found to be very poignant and it kind of almost like it, it reaches back and circles back to the podcast and it touches other parts of the book too. It's the Mosaic of Cultures chapter. And I thought this was a really, uh, this almost could have been a standalone book in many ways. What what were you thinking when you wrote this chapter and what were some of the experiences you had writing it? Yeah, so uh, the Mosaic of Culture is is really this idea of, um, you know, people call it melting pots and I, I like Mosaic of Culture better and it's not something that I created or invented, you know, it's it's been used by a lot of other people. Um, but um, it was interesting is that the 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 culture and the the style of uh, cooking evolve in the, in the country, and it is really driven by um, the influence of the sons and the daughters of immigrants, so either first generation or second generation. And I wanted to make sure that I capture that because I had more than 15 guests on my podcasts uh, that were either coming or have a heritage of Filipino or, you know, Mexican or Peruvian or, you know, from a different, you know, a different background of Japanese. And um, um, that that was something uh, critical for me when I structured the book to make sure that I have one chapter dedicated to those men and women that make the style of food that we are having access to today. So um, it was important as well that I um, put a context in this book um, and that I was not writing something wrong. So I spent time doing research in the um, New York Public Library. I'm lucky that I live in New Jersey, not too far from Manhattan. So yeah. uh, I, I interacting with um, with the researcher there and they gave me access to great uh, books uh, to make sure that, you know, I, I was building kind of a context of the of the story because a part of the story of food in the U.S. is linked to um, the history of immigration. You summed up the book in the chapter, The Kitchen as a Metaphor for Life, where you kind of broke the third wall and addressed the reader and talking about your experience to summed up the book. What did the book, writing the book, teach you and, and what did you discover in your in your research? Ah. That's um, yeah, that's the, the the big thing. So I, I I was wondering, you know, when you write a book or you write anything, is how do you end the book? <laughs> you know, so that was something important. And uh, in fact, it happened doing this with one of uh, like uh, one day I was going back from Manhattan to home with my younger son. And he's twenty four, and I was talking to him about, you know being at the step when I stage when I was writing the last chapter and we brainstorm about you know how to end the book uh, and I give credit to him on the acknowledgement part <laughs> because he helped me to uh, figure that out but uh, yeah I mean I, I learned a lot of things about the food and how um, I approach food um, thinking that you know I was talking about the access to high quality food so 
for me, supporting farm, farmers markets and local food business uh, is like, is really important. So I think I changed. Um, I was doing it, but I think I'm doing it even more now. And then the fact as well, what I'm mentioning in uh, in the book that people need to think about cooking within the season. Um, so, yes. um, you know, and I'm, I'm the first guilty of this is, you know, I go to the supermarkets, I have access to everything. I can get strawberries, you know, in January, yeah. um, you know, and or blueberry throughout the year. But in fact, talking to those chefs, they really explained to me that the peak of maturity of those ingredients where they are the best, you know, in terms of um, delivering the optimum taste is in season. So, so I think I spent two, more time thinking about this and there's more about the learning about food, but I just wanted to highlight those two points. I think as an individual, something that um, is really uh, a good learning is um, the fact that you need people need to think about and myself as well, more about collaboration. Um, I think that the new generation of chefs and culinary leaders today, um, we are going to see people like really collaborating, not only in between like chefs within the industry, but as well reaching out to other disciplines. You know, it could be uh, in art or it could be, um, you know, in um, maybe, maybe, you know, mixologist and so on and working together. So collaboration is, um, you know, is key. And then, um, you know, I'm a manager uh, and leader in in the company where I work at. So I think that listening to all of those leaders in the field of uh, restaurants uh, or behind the bar, um, they could like really teach us uh, some principle when it comes to leadership. So that's something that I've learned, um, thinking about like investing in people, thinking about, um, I think, you know, finding mentors. Uh, if I had to go back in time, you know, when I started working, I think that I would have loved to apply that advice, which is identifying mentors that can guide you and challenge you throughout your uh, career. And I think that this is something that chefs are, you know, are doing, chefs are doing pretty well. You know, right now we're at a time when um, work on cooking and chefs and the food culture is very big on TV right now. And I kept, I feel, I felt a little guilty feeling this way, but I also thought this book really would do well to be a TV series. I could see this like doing two, the book itself would probably cover, I think maybe one or two, three seasons. And it would be like really amazing. I, and it just really kind of almost lends itself to that. Have you, have you been approached by any, uh, no, but I, maybe I should take you as my agent. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm enthusiastic. I would be a great agent. I think I would, I would be out there Thank like, you. Hey, dummies, yeah. listen to this. This is a great book. This would be a great television series. Come on. <laughs> if you know anyone, let me know. Okay. <laughs> In the area. <laughs> Please tell me you're writing more books. Cause I really love this one. And I really would love to see more from you. I'm a little greedy that way. So please forgive oh, me. Okay. So I, you know, there's there's some ideas too. It's too um, soon to talk about it, but um, yes, I have um, I have some thoughts, you know, maybe for a second book, but uh, uh, it will be a bit different. There will be still food, of course, related, and and maybe in the world of chef. But uh, my, let's see first, you know, it. Um, what I learn is when uh, you know the. the the success of the book is not only about the writing it's as well about the promotion which yeah you know what we are doing at the moment um so there's a lot of um 
um, my my I would say short term future at the moment is on the promotion of the book because the book is going to be out on uh, November eighth. So um, so there's a lot of things that is going to keep me busy um, between now and the end of the year, beginning of next year. Um, and then I think after that, I will maybe start to put some thoughts on, uh, you know, about like a second book. But yeah, I, I have to say that it was my first experience. I didn't know what to expect. And I love the process. So I, I believe that I'm going to try to write a second one. Are there any food readers that you... I'm sorry, I'll, I'll edit that out. Are there any food writers that you like to read that you enjoy yourself? Ooh, that's a, that's a good question. It's a tough one, I know, sorry. No, I know it's not a tough one, but um, I might want to send you like an email on this because I'm yeah. I'm okay. getting old and I the memory of names. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same, same way, way, yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, definitely... Um, um is you know when i was working on the book and and thinking about how to structure the book there is definitely a, a different uh, uh different books that um you know that um i love and gave me some like inspiration so yeah do you have a favorite part of the book uh was there any part that you really enjoyed and thought stood out to you um you know among others mm. Any, any part that makes you smile when you think about it? I think the one that I, uh, the one that I really liked the most is um, the time that I spent and with the research associated with it, like on the, the chapter of the mosaic of culture. Yeah. Um, because it's, um, as you said before yourself, I mean, it could be a book on it in itself. Yes. Um, because that topic is, is so important. Um, so yeah, I think that part was, um, you know, really good. I mean, very interesting for me to 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 write and spend time on. And obviously, you know, I it's it's interesting because I'm um, when I was writing the book is you know I had first readers, so when I had like a chapter more or less written, I was sending them to um, you know a few first readers to have their feedback, and people love the stories connected to my childhood or my time in France or in Europe. Uh, or you know some of my personal stories um, you know here in the in the U.S. So I have to say that I have one story that I love uh, here in the U.S., which um, is the one that I did with my younger son on going into uh, the foraging and feasting trip. It was in Washington D.C. with the, with Chef uh, Drew Adams. He's not there anymore. He's not at the Four Season at um, you know in Washington D.C. But I've spent a whole we have spent a whole day with him foraging um you know in washington dc near the potomac river and then doing a 18 course tasting menu at the four season and it was only for me and my son and that that was something i will never ever forget so that's you know so it's it is smiling but it's smiling not haha but it's smiling because it, it evoked like a very very pleasant uh you know whole day spent you know with the chef and and my son um in kind of an unusual setting. That sounds like fun. I love foraging myself. In fact, I am going to go get some rose hips today in a field that I've had my eye on that I think they're just ready now. So I'm going to go get them. Very cool. What are you going to do with those rose hips then? A I'm going to make a uh, jelly out of them. Oh, jelly. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Sounds good. Yeah. yeah. 
Emmanuel, I really want to thank you for being on the podcast. And I, I'm going to have links to your book and the, your podcast in the bio for listeners. Uh, and I encourage you to listen to the podcast and get the book. You're going to love both. Emmanuel, thank you for being on the program. Dean, thank you very much for having me. Really. That was my conversation with Emmanuel LaRoche. His book, Conversations Behind the Kitchen Door, is singular, and I recommend you get it. You can get it all through uh, distributors, uh, through the link that I'm going to put in the bio, and you can also get it at all better bookstores. You're also going to want to listen to his um, wonderful podcast, Flavors Unknown. As I've said, it's a go-to for me. I listen to it weekly. I think you should, too. It's all got a very important stuff on it, really good topical stuff that you're going to want to listen to. Next week, we're going to have... Um, Arch All I can say is archivist, uh, for lack of a better term, um, Vicki Benison, who's going to be on talking about her two cookbooks, uh, The Pasta Grannies. Uh, one just came out recently, the second one, and um, the first one came out um, two years ago. Um, she also has the YouTube channel, Pasta Grannies, as well, um, that is a kind of archival um, work where she interviews um, women in Italy and talks to them about uh, cooking pasta and their lives. Uh, it's this wonderful work that, as I said in the interview, reminds me of the Foxfires book back in the 70s where authors uh, talked to people in Appalachia. I just thought this was fantastic work. You really should check it out um, and you know listen to that episode then um, with my interview with Vicki Benison next week. Um, I want to um, thank you for listening to the podcast. I always recommend that if people can go and um, you know talk, recommend this to people online through social media, I really do appreciate it very much. Um, we always like to have new listeners to the program, so please you know recommend it to a friend, post it on um, social media. This episode is sponsored by Culinary Historians of Northern California, a Bay Area educational group dedicated to the study of food, drinking, culture, and human history. To learn more about this organization and its work, please visit its website at www.chnorcal.org. You really should check this out. Um, if you're interested in culinary history, if this is your field of work, if it's something you're just interested in, check out the website. It's got a lot of good stuff on it. If you follow my podcast and enjoy it, you can go onto the link in the bio and buy me a coffee or a pint. If you like my work, you can drop me a line through there. Help us promote this podcast and share it with a friend, as I've said. And you can follow the Well-Seasoned Librarian podcast on Spotify and get notified when new episodes are released. You can subscribe to the podcast newsletter and get updates when my articles come out at wellseasonedlibrarian.substack.com. The podcast theme song, Talk About Love, is sung by the band Kitty Cat Fan Club. Their label, Asian Man Records, has permitted its use. You can check them out and other bands and get the albums at Asian Man Records' website, asianmanrecords.com. Uh, check out all the other bands on that label as well. Buy a t-shirt, hoodie, bumper sticker, or an album, and uh, you're going to be happier for it. I hope you all have a really good week, and I hope that you can cook up something really wonderful from maybe one of the uh, guests we've had on the show. Keep on cooking.